Ari Wasserman of The Athletic joins the show now. Ari's a senior writer covering college football and recruiting. Of course, you know him because he's the guy on Twitter talking about how stars always matter. Ari, is Will Howard going to be a big enough star in Columbus? I mean, I guess always is the wrong word now, right? Um, oh, we're going to get to that. Most of the time they matter. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was abundantly clear to everybody who was watching the Cotton Bowl that Ohio State probably could not go into the offseason without bringing somebody in. Um, I would not assume that Will Howard was guaranteed a starting spot you know, after winning a Big 12 championship at, at Kansas State, but sometimes you know, the action speaks louder than whatever words uh, are said, and I would anticipate he would be the starting quarterback next year. Now, this clearly isn't the plan or supposed to be the plan at Ohio State. You're supposed to recruit quarterbacks and develop them one by one. I know Justin Fields transferred in for a few years after the Georgia situation, but he was the type of talent that you probably just could not turn your back on no matter what, and obviously that played out that way. Um, here, it kind of feels like something went wrong. Uh, Kyle McCord didn't turn into the quarterback that Ohio State thought he would, and Devin Brown uh, unfortunately got injured in, in both key moments in this battle, both in fall camp last year into the season, and then, of course, in the Cotton Bowl. Um, there's just nothing really there on tape to evaluate because he didn't play all that much this year. So, um, you know, they've got Aaron Nolan coming in and, you know, you want there to be a proper succession of elite level quarterbacks that are, you know, coming to Ohio state because they know they're going to develop into a first round pick. And that's really one of the biggest things that Ohio state had going for it. And now that's kind of off track a little bit. So my number one thought process isn't that Will Howard can't be good or Ohio state can't win the big 10 championship game next year. My thought process is more, this is a, a departure from what the plan has been for Ryan Day at Ohio State and certainly a lot of pressure for him going into the next year after losing to Michigan three years in a row and, you know, having to accomplish something on the field with a transfer quarterback can be kind of difficult. And, you know, Will Howard is going to be seeing some pressure that, you know, likely did not exist in Manhattan, Kansas either. So it'll be an interesting offseason and certainly a cool season to track, but certainly don't think this is the plan for Ohio State and the way they want things to go at the quarterback position. Ari, do you think Ohio State ending up in this position is because of a developmental problem at the quarterback spot or an evaluation problem at the quarterback spot? Well, the hardest part about this is, is that the last thing on earth I'd want to do is go on the radio in Ohio and criticize Ryan Day for his ability or inability uh, for developing quarterbacks because that's certainly not the case or, or what has been the case for his entire tenure there. I mean, if you coach and develop and recruit three straight quarterbacks to get taken in the top 15 of the NFL draft, you know, you're in a, in a spot where only Lincoln Riley at USC is in, in terms of rarefied air and doing so. Um, I, I don't know if it was a developmental problem or an evaluation problem or both. I mean, obviously Kyle McCord was a nice player, but he wasn't a star and we're accustomed to seeing stars there. And, you know, obviously you can't just be like, uh, if you don't get taken in the top 15 of the first round of the NFL draft, you're a failure because um, that's not a reasonable thought process either. But I think that Kyle McCord was probably a little bit lower than that, um, given where he ended up in the in the transfer portal. So um, it's really hard to pinpoint if the evaluation was wrong or the developmental situation is wrong. But you know, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord are both top 100 players at their positions, and I'm not closing the book on, on Devin Brown's career there. But, you know, we've seen very quick acclimation from elite-level quarterbacks uh, in Ohio State's quarterback room dating back to when I started on the beat in 2009. Um, and that's just not what's happening right now. Now, if Will Howard comes out and is a great player and, 
you know, turns into Bo Nix or, you know, it's very easy to become a star if you leave a place like Kansas State or surrounded by the, the talents that Ohio State's going to surround him with. And, you know, you saw it happen with Bo Nix. People thought he stunk when he left Auburn and then he went to Oregon and almost won the Heisman. Um, I think that's on the table, but, you know, it's just, I, I think that a healthy program or a program in Ohio State shoes with its track record with quarterbacks should be able to, you know, sign a five-star or a top 50 player at that position every other year and develop a pretty simple succession plan so they don't have to keep playing musical chairs at the quarterback position depending on who's available in the portal after every year. Do you think that the Buckeye fans that are critical of Ryan Day right now and that are in a little bit of a freak-out mode, I guess you could say, because of the way things have gone over the last three years are justified for feeling that way? Well, can I ask you a question? You can. What would you grab onto if you're an Ohio State fan to think that things are going okay? The head coach, certainly, that can't beat Michigan. I get it, and I'm— No, I'm, no, I'm saying, like, for the positive— the wide receiver positions, basically, and the defense turning around the way that it has, I think, over the last two years. Think back to what that defense was three years ago to what it was this year. Yeah. I think that was a, a significant improvement in that aspect. I think that that's correct. I think Jim Knowles did a very good job with the defense. Um, I think that their recruiting class this year was tremendous. So, you know, there are certain things that you can get excited about, but, you know, the Ohio State I covered. Um, didn't have this problem. And this problem is uh, not only not being able to beat Michigan for a three-year period, but certainly being replaced by them as the class of their conference. And then on top of that, the thing that Ryan Day does the best is the first 10 minutes of this call. Um, I I don't know what things are going to look like or how they're going to be able to get back off the schneid next year. Maybe Michigan will be much worse because they're losing a lot of talent. But it's just not a fun place to be for Ohio State right now to be sitting at home uh, after three consecutive losses to Michigan, not sure who the quarterback is going to be until you get a a transfer from Kansas State while watching Michigan um, potentially win a national championship on Monday. Um, It's just a a lot of things have happened um, in the beat and at Ohio State and around Ohio State at Michigan that if you would have told me in 2019 when I left the beat was going to happen, I would have laughed in your face. If you would have told me leaving Ann Arbor after they won the 2019 Michigan game that Michigan would win the next three games in the series, win the Big Ten all three years, and then compete to play for a national championship uh, after beating Alabama, I would have laughed at you. Um, And part of that is tremendous coaching, development, and circumstance at Michigan. And some of that is, you know, the roadblock that has stopped Michigan from getting to this point has always been Ohio State, and that hasn't been there. So, you know, I think that you would be crazy if you're an Ohio State fan to not be at least somewhat uh, upset or frustrated by the way things are going because this isn't the way that things have been going for the past 20 years, and they are now. And, um, you know, the Michigan problem isn't always a talent problem. It's a psychological problem, and Ohio State has seen a coach come in who has had mega super talented teams who, for whatever reason, just could not beat Michigan. And after three in a row, I think it's fair to start wondering if that happened, if that's if history is repeating itself. All right, elsewhere in college football, I'm glad we started getting to Michigan there because they're a team that has not recruited necessarily at a national championship caliber level. Certainly not the way Alabama has in the other semifinal game. Texas is the school that I think has recruited better than Washington over the last four-year period of guys on the field. You've always been a Stars Matter guy. Why didn't Stars Matter quite as much last weekend? Yeah, um, I mean, buddy. I, I would have said it was impossible. I mean, if you look at 
ever since we've had recruiting data, you know, there've only been three teams that have won national championships since 20 or since 2002, sorry, or even 2000 that have won a national championship without having signed a top five class in any of the previous four years. And now we've got two teams playing for it that happened. Um, you know, the three were Auburn's Cam Newton in the BCS era. So it was a lot easier to win a national title back then when you didn't have to play a conference championship and then a semifinal and a national championship all in succession. And then the other two were Clemson and they had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, the funniest thing about it too, is that Michigan, in my opinion, doesn't have a quarterback that stacks up to those other three and they've still managed to, to do it. I think Washington is a different scenario because um, they didn't have to beat super teams on the way. They didn't have to beat Alabama and Ohio state to get there. And they are a very good football team that I think is certainly capable of beating Michigan in the national title game, but they arrived there from the TCU route last year. They didn't arrive there the hard way that, that you have to, to win a national title. And ironically enough, if they beat Michigan, they will have accomplished winning a national championship without ever having to beat one of the teams that recruits, you know, 15 top 100 players in individual classes. Um, so that's a, that's a nice get, but for, for Michigan's side of it, um, I mean, what's the explanation here other than they've done a tremendous job in plugging in holes in the portal. Um, they've done a tremendous job of evaluating lower rated four-star players that are getting, you know, top 100 production out of those guys. And if you go look at their NFL draft board, um, they've done it in a way where they have 15 draftable players or even more. And um, usually that isn't enough because you end up playing a Alabama or Georgia team or even an Ohio state team that has 20 draft picks on it that maybe not in the next year, but uh, uh, that are even better and higher round caliber. I mean, even if you go look at Michigan's draft picks, I think a lot of them are second, second day, third day guys. Um, and, you know, Ohio state's had four or five first round draft picks in a single year. So I think part of it is circumstance. Um, you know, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama are all not peak versions of themselves. Um, and you're not going to get that very often, but part of it is the evolution of the game. Um, and you can't go into seasons anymore saying that teams that are outside of the top 10 of the 247 sport team talent composite can't win it. it. It's wrong. I've been saying it every year that way, and I was wrong this year. So, you know what, I, I think is actually the bigger question here. And, um, you know, I think is interesting and I can't stop thinking about it is that Alabama is the second most talented team from the recruiting ranking standpoint in the history of college football. Um, their average player of their 85 band scholarships um, is rated as a top 100 player nationally going back to their high school ranks. How on earth did Nick Saban's second most talented team, um, his first was last year, um, but this is the second most by a very slim margin have so many holes on their team. They couldn't find a center to snap the ball properly. Their wide receivers are average. Uh, their running back is a nice player, but he's not dynamic. Jalen Milrow can't throw it in certain situations. Like they have four or five position groups on offense and all of them have a hole in it. And like that to me is not the way that super teams used to be fielded. If you go back and you look at some of the old Alabama squads, they had a running back room that had TJ Yeldon, uh, Derek Henry, and Alvin Kamara on it. Or you have, you know, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell in the same recruiting. Those are the teams that Michigan, I thought, would have to beat. Uh, those aren't the teams that were standing in Michigan's way this year. So it's partial evolution of the game, portal, NIL, all that. And it's partial that all three of the monsters of our sport uh, had transitions at quarterback and weren't peak levels of themselves for whatever reason this year. Sorry for being long-winded. No, no, that's all in, incredible stuff. And the only other question I would have upon that stuff with 
maybe this being a blip as opposed to what reality could be is that extra year of eligibility some guys have and how there might be more guys like that on Washington than there are on Alabama. Like Washington, I think, has six or seven guys in their sixth year, including their starting quarterback, and I don't know that you've seen that at these superpower schools. Well, you know, there's two ways of looking at that. Um, you know, when I was covering Ohio State, if you made it to the your fourth year in college, that means something went wrong. Like, it's not designed to be that way. So you have six-year guys who are still in the program who have a lot of experience and, you know, have seen and played a lot of football. But the question I always have is, if they're so good, why are they not in the NFL? Um, that's always really the thing that I struggle with between natural ability, physical gifts that you can't be taught or work for, um, versus experienced players who might be more limited physically than those guys. Um, because Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia have constant turnover, both from their coaching staff and from their players, because they're so great, people are wanting them, whether to hire the coaches away or for the players to leave early. Um, so for me, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of six-year players. Um, and yet, uh, if I, I, we looked this up at The Athletic, uh, Michigan had 3,000 more snaps of experience in their two-deep uh, than Alabama did going into that football game. And that certainly plays a factor into it. But, you know, on the other hand, I think it doesn't matter how many snaps you play, you're either able to cover Devontae Smith or you're not. Devontae Smith uh, was not on that team this year. So I think it's going to be an interesting battle this weekend, or Monday, I should say, because you have two very different styles of contrasting teams, but both of which are super experienced, have older players who have played a lot of football, and um, they play it their way. So it's just like I, you know, I could sit here on this phone call with you, man, and talk about this for 10 hours. The context in the, um, you know, if you peel back the curtain and really analyze rosters and the way the sport works, it's a very highly complex issue. And, you know, the one thing that I have to admit is that I've been wrong for vehemently saying that it has been impossible for teams like Michigan to win a national championship the last 10 years because clearly it's worked out where it is possible. And granted, uh, no matter who wins the national championship on Monday, will be the fourth uh, team on that list of teams that uh, won a national championship without signing top five classes. But I should say um, that Auburn and those Clemson teams signed top 10 classes. Uh, Michigan has only signed one top 10 class in the previous four years, and Washington has signed zero. So uh, these teams are, are clearly not as physically gifted from a recruiting standpoint um, as the Clemson and Auburn teams were that won the national championships way back when. So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here that's super complicated, but definitely have been put into a pretzel thinking that this could never happen when it certainly did. Ari, I wish we could have this conversation for hours, but unfortunately we can't. Thank you so much for the time, man. This was incredible. I, I enjoy your show, and I appreciate you having me on, man. Keep 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 it going, and whenever you need me, just text me. I'll be on for you, okay? Appreciate that very much. There he is. Ari Wasserman, senior writer at The Athletic, courtesy of the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Ari is, for my money, the best college football writer in America. You can find him at The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Ari Wasserman. A lot to react to with that conversation next right here. It's Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin right here on 92.3 The Fan.